Hi, everybody. Welcome to the amazing e-learning roadshow. I'm Craig Weiss, and today we're coming from, well, Tombstone, Arizona. And, and for individuals not here in the United States that may have never heard of Tombstone, Arizona, Tombstone was an original mining town in the 18, late 1870s, but in the 1880s, and early 1890s, it was one of those roundabout western towns in the old west. You hear about reading the serials, a lot of shooting, a lot of killings. Uh, it's the famous OK Corral. So let me tell you about Tombstone and, and then more importantly, this topic, which is employees, <coughs> always alive here, employees and your learning system. And I've often, uh, I've written about, you know, and talked about customer education, but not a lot about employees. And what I find is that people do a couple of things when it comes to employee training. First, they, how do I say it? They tend to skew towards what we would call white collar professional employees. These are the people you're going to see in your hybrid work model. They're going to be the employees that work 100% from home. If you offer that, if you have them be in the office 100%, that's this force. And then you have employees that are frontline workers, right? Retail, restaurants, hospitality, uh, amusement parks, so forth and so on. And then you have your blue collar workforce. And these are the people that are in manufacturing on the floor and warehouses and at plants and perhaps, you know, going out there and doing uh, all the important things around the energy, uh, green and otherwise. So, you know, when, when we talk about employees, that's kind of how, from an analyst standpoint, that's how we look at it, or that at least it, as it relates to L&D and training. And so, you know, you might hear this term talent development, which is a term I use uh, in my templates. I use workforce development. They're interchangeable. But, you know, like getting back to employees and, and what I find is the second piece is where people will look for a learning system and they look at what they think their employees will need now as of that time. They base it obviously on the use case and business case, which they should. That is crucial. But they don't think down the road. Who's to say that you running L&D or training or HR, whoever's overseeing this, doesn't quit or leave or God forbid, get laid off and has to go to another job? Who's going to replace you? Well, you're not going to know that. And let's say you're replacing somebody and they got a system that doesn't have all the features and functionality you want. What do you do? You're stuck in a contract. So this is why I'm a big believer of, look, get it in your system. You don't have to use it. Nobody's forcing you to use these features. And in most cases, it's included. You know, one of the big things that's happening today in employee training, and especially with learning systems, is this whole approach to tailoring specific to you. Perfect. That's great. 
But there's one thing about tailoring to you, and it's another thing of, okay, we just start with this. And and when you want to have skills development, that's an add-on, and that's an additional cost. I mean, it's in the system. They just turn it on. But you pay an additional fee for that. Oh, you you want uh, classroom management for on-the-job training for your employees? Okay, not no pro- oh, oh, that's an additional cost because it's an add-on. Oh, you want advanced analytics, kind of learning analytics that go beyond what comes out of the system? Yep, not a pro. Oh, um, I'm sorry, that's an add-on. Um, that's an additional cost. I've never been a fan of that. I want this is everything included. You want to have advanced analytics? It's in the system. You want to have skills capable? That's in the system. You want to have workforce development? That's in the system. And when you want it, you just turn it on. But, it, you know, it's it's not an additional cost. That's what you want in a system. You have to think down the road. You can't think just now. Nobody saw playlists coming out. Now everybody wants playlists. Nobody saw these third-party skills job role libraries. Now I talked to everybody wants one. You know, nobody saw, unfortunately, you know, with COVID. And, you know, then people were like, oh, I've got to have a system. I got to have a system. And then they just went out and got a system without really thinking about it. So as we dive into Tombstone and everything else, uh, and it does eventually roll into employee training, there's just some things to think about. But, you know, I digress. When I was at Tombstone, I assumed that all these people, and you see them walking around wearing clothing from the 1880s, were employees. What I learned, though, was that half of them were residents of Tombstone and their surrounding areas who every day weekend dress up in their Old West best and walk around. Each of these people pay for their own costume, including those who actually are reenactors and those in the shops and restaurants. I wonder to myself, what if Tombstone purchased a learning system to provide learning and training content to their employees, reenactors, and even townsfolk on everything from customer service to communication and dealing with groups and teams? Would they need certain functionality in the system for the days to come or rely on what is in existence today or in the past? Would they as frontline workers need classroom management or would virtual ILT suffice? Would they want content and courses assigned to all the Wyatt Earp lookalikes? And there are a lot of them for anyone who's a gunfighter and uh, whatnot for the professional workplace. Do they require certain functionality? You know, the Old West wasn't known for internet connectivity, and I can even tell you in modern-day Tombstone, which has about 1,300 people, it looks like bandwidth speed isn't the same as everyone else. Thus, issues such as video content and the ability to view and perhaps, you know, utilize it, is that even possible? You know... If you had a learning system back then, you know, what kind of metrics would you keep? And and as you're thinking about it today, as we go fast forward, what metrics do you really need in segmentation? So we're going to look at employee training in this way. What do you need? What do you really need? Right? You can get social and gamification and machine learning, which is important, and 
you know, content curation, which is important and so forth and so forth and so forth, right? These are ancillary or auxiliary or I can never pronounce that word. You know what I'm talking about. So, you know, the key is going to be around learning environment, which is what the learner sees. The administration, which is what the super admin or the main admin sees and all the roles and things that they can do. These are cores. If you're doing classroom management, that's physical on site. It's going to be typically with your front line and blue collar workforce. In today's business world, right? It's very difficult to do it in a hybrid. I don't recommend it. It's going to be difficult, of course, if you're doing, because in a hybrid, you're going to have live and then people on the webcams and say, nah, that's not going to be great. So the ILT comes in there. Let's dive in here. You know, there are people who seem so focused on security, they forget the basics such as net connectivity issues. This is super important. And it's also a reason, by the way, I say you do a survey and you find out what browsers your employees are accessing the learning system with. And I'll tell you why. Because every vendor out there knows the minimum number of a browser, like it may be Chrome version 35 or Chrome 40. And if you don't have that, then the Chrome version you have may not work. And any vendor that tells you they're browser agnostic is, is just giving you ambiguity. I can tell you, if you have an employee using Vivaldi, that's not browser agnostic because they've never tested in Vivaldi. Brave is making a comeback. It's big on the mobile side for tablets. Um, I use it on my, on my uh, laptop and desktop. I can tell you right now that some systems do not look great in Brave. Edge has problems. I see this all the time, and I like Edge. So you need to find out, right, if they're on Macs, are they using Safari and whatnot, and what's the minimum? And if a vendor says they're browser agnostic, that should tell you. You find out, have you ever tested? They either are going to say yes or no. And if they haven't, you want them to test and find out what those versions are. So. The other big thing that's important is support, right? You must have support, which is why the customer excellence pledge is so relevant. But let me go back to security. You know, I know and understand why customers focus heavy on it, but be aware that the majority of vendors are on Amazon Web Services, AWS, plus have 256-bit AES, that's the security bits, and numerous fail-safes. You know, I've been in the industry for over 20 years, <laughs> online learning, no less, e-learning, right? And to date, I only know of one vendor in all those years that's been hacked, and they were not on AWS. Thus, submitting to a vendor hundreds of questions around security, while understandable, isn't necessary to that extent. What they actually do is they go on, they just pull that information from AWS. I mean... You know, you can argue what's relevant, you know, what does that have to do with, with um, you know, employee training? It's obviously relevant because it's important about privacy, security, and data. But, you know, if you're like in Russia, you got to make sure the data centers are based in Russia. And, you know, AWS does that and many other server sites. So 
if you're going to focus around security, these are the questions that on top of some of the very basics, you don't need to write 500 questions of security. I've seen that before. These are kind of what I think are the most important on top of the ones that people typically ask. Can your employee access via VPN, which is a virtual private network? And by the way, a lot of people use them these days because they're afraid they don't want, uh, they're concerned about privacy and, and um, sites tracking them. So, you know, I use ExpressVPN. There's a lot of them. Many of them even come with security systems for the home user. If they access via VPN, will the speed slow down or will there be any type of impact to accessing video courses or content with a lot of data? The answer is going to be yes. There's always a slowdown when you use a VPN. But, you know, if a vendor says no, there's no slowdown. Uh, no offense, they're lying. I'm going to say it flat out. They're lying. Everybody, I don't care if you're not using it to access a learning system. If you use a VPN, you're always going to have slower speeds than if you don't use a VPN. Do you have 256 AES security or higher? You want them to say yes. 128's not going to cut it. Where your server's being hosted, and I've talked about that. How will you protect credentials and data transmissions from detection while in transit to your application? Do you support the California Consumer Protection Act? This is only if you're going to have customers, employees in the state of California, and only if the vendor generates $20 million a year in revenue. That's how the law works in California. Obviously, do you support GDPR? There's no certification process here. Either vendor does or doesn't. Um, everybody I find does. What is your backup process? And how often do you back up this system? Once a day, multiple times a day, overnight? If there is a security breach, what are your protocols? When will you be notified? Very important. Because you remember when I mentioned about that hack that happened? The client wasn't immediately notified. Now, let's jump into those employee learning system features you must have. And this isn't about, oh, maybe I need this or, oh, I, uh, I do not need this now, maybe later approach. Because like I said, you've got the people leaving. You may change your mind in six months or a year from now. Too late. It's, it's too late. You know, a vendor can say one thing and say, look, you know, it's on my roadmap. Here's a hint. I worked in the tech space. Whenever we didn't have a feature, we would always say, yeah, it's on our roadmap. So, you know, you want to ask them, well, what was on your previous roadmap for 2020? And how many of those items are in your system? You could ask that. If they want your business, they're going to answer that. I never understood why some vendors want you, you know, it's like a giant secret. And they won't share that information to you. Let me tell you, they're wooing you to get you as, your, as a customer. You're the customer, not them. Never forget that. So let's jump back into the, you know, let's, let's get to the nitty gritty about employees and, you know, whether it's for everybody or is it better suited for frontline and blue collar, for example, I tend to find systems have about 85% of the same functionality across the board. Now, whether it's, 
outstanding across the board, that's that's a completely another story because that's where it starts to splinter apart and people just compare. You know, at, at the end of the day, you, you have to see the system. If they want to send you a video, that's not good enough. You have to see the system. You have to drive it. You have to ask the questions. If the vendor... I always say, you know, the vendor, the salesperson should ask you prior to scheduling a demo, you've already made the date. They should ask you what you want to see in the system. By email is typically the way they do it. If they don't ask you that, that's a red flag. Just think of it this way. If they're not listening to you now, what makes you think that when you, if you decide to go forward with them, they're going to listen to you then, right? You see where I'm going here? So, you know, you're going through these whole things about the demo and you can go to, um, on my site, on my blog, I have an area and it says, these are the questions asked during a demo. This is how you should you know, approach the demo and everything you need. And you can find that at elearninfo247.com. elearninfo247.com. It's in one of the header things. As it provides you what questions to ask, what are some things to add in the demo for them that you can truly test what that is. So let's get ready to jump into what features you need specifically for your employees. Okay, we're back. <clears throat> Took a little breather there. And we're focusing on two things here. So first and foremost, I'm going to be talking about the learning environment. This is what the learner sees. Then I'm going to talk about administration, the administrator. You know, you will have a super admin, and then this person can also then create sub-admins. You can have a sub-administrator only be able to do these certain things compared to, you know, another type of admin. You can assign a roles and rules around managers that get what access they can see in the system, so forth and so forth. You may only have a main administrator. It depends on your terminology. I'm also including some additional functionality. Again, these are must. And I'm going to include, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about the features you must have. And then I'm going to talk about like, here's ideal, something for you to ponder. You know, one is a custom domain. And, and I've seen people put it on their RFPs. I have it myself. And there are a lot of vendors who do not actually understand what a custom domain is. So a custom domain, I will use a perfect example. FindingLMS.com is a custom domain. A custom domain, for example, is elearninfo247.com. When I created the site, it was initially, I think, Diego and studiocity.wordpress.com. Uh, that's when I think I started the site over a decade ago. And then I bought a custom domain, and hence elearninfo247.com. Now, a lot of vendors will say, custom domain. And what they're saying is the name of your system, period, the name of their system, period.com. So I'm going to give you an example. And, you know, I like this system. I like Docebo's platform, uh, which is D-O-C-E-B-O. 
the the way you pronounce the company is Docebo. A lot of people say Docebo, it's Docebo. So in Docebo, their custom domain looks like, you know, I, and let's imagine my company's widget. So I'm going to have widget university. So my custom domain would be widgetuniversity.docebo.com. Now the vendor, right? The vendor's name is in the middle there. I don't recommend that. First, you've got a hard enough problem understanding. You don't ever want to tell your employees, yeah, this is an element. Yeah, that's going to confuse them. Forget that. Whatever the name is, it's Widget U, it's Widget World, whatever. And you just want to have a flat domain so somebody remembers it. A custom domain, you know, somebody might call it a white label domain. The, the term actually is custom domain. A custom domain, depending where you go to GoDaddy, Google does it, lots of vendors do it, a lot of companies. Um, you know, runs from about $9 to $12 a year. That's it. And then you get all the extras that you want. So an option for a vendor, you know, that says, look, we, we can't do this, is to do something called URL masking. So that's the letter U, the letter R is in Roger, and L is in Lisa. United Roger Lisa. URL masking or masked uh, um, is what it is. And wherever you, if you buy your domain, wherever you're hosting it, um, that uh, they all provide directions on how to do URL masking. I've done it before when I used to buy systems and the vendor wanted their name in there. I would URL mask it. So what happens is, is when they type in Widget World, it's actually masking that widget.vendorname.com. And so they just see Widget World if they looked up. So anyway, just so you know, that's an ideal understanding. So, you know, if you're, you're not sure, ask if the vendor says, yes, we do custom domain, you ask them specifically how they define that. And if they say, what do you mean? That's probably not a good sign. But, you know, you can make it very clear to them. And uh, do not make the assumption that what you're thinking or what they're thinking is the same thing. I see this over and over again. And people then find out afterwards, oops, that's not it. So, you know, uh, when I come to the learning environment, after people log into the system, your learners, you know, I see the issues people would often say. And this is where it gets into the learner saying they don't like this system. They don't know how to navigate it. So they contact your administrator. They can't figure it out. They contact your administrator. Then you have learners who use only partially the front end. Uh, you know, so the front end is what the learner sees. That's how we define it in the industry. Front end and back end. Front end is what the learner sees, whether it's an employee, in this case, your employee or a customer or whatever, but in our case, employees. Back end is what the administrator sees. Okay. Then you have a manager view and an instructor view. So, you know, the front end of the system, that learner side is crucial for employee training and learning, regardless if the employee is a white collar professional, frontline or blue collar. It is what they see first every time they go into the system. 
It is where the courses and content they're taking, regardless if it's assigned or not, is placed. If there are playlists, they're there. Some vendors show progress bars, others show circles progress, and plenty do neither. Some learning environments have announcements for the employees on various subjects that's set up by the administrator. Some LEs, uh, learning environments are widget-based, where the learner can change the placement or turn them off. The admin decides. I'm a huge fan of that. Other systems have learning environments that can change in terms of whether widgets are placed or what's added, but it appears across the board for everyone. So it's sort of like a theme template rather than it being each individual, which some systems do, by the way. You know, to me, that where everybody can sort of pick in what they want is, is a true personalized experience. So, you know, if everybody gets it in the same group, well, everybody's using that group. Sure, that's somewhat personalized. But if it's truly personalized, then my front can look different than your front. But we're still getting the same information. I mean, for example, if I'm a manager, do I really need to see announcements? Uh, probably not. Let's jump into that learning environment as a whole. Learner home dashboard, crucial, you want this. This means that when the learner enters the system, they see a home dashboard that contains high level of information, including their current courses or content. Search functionality allows the learner to find specific courses, materials, delivery format based on keywords, title, um, you know, delivery mechanisms and other tagged identifiers. And this usually appears as a search bar like you would see a search engine, right? You could even type in skills, for example. Learners can enroll or request a enrollment in a course or content or cancel their enrollment. The courses and content have identifiers such as a title, category if it's applicable, a brief description if it's accurate, Happy, ah, you know, whatever. A brief description, tags, and format. Uh, I feel like Bugs Bunny here. Learner progress bar similar. You know, my recommendation is color coded, whereas red means past due, green in progress, and not started is is just blank. There are plenty of vendors that use these weird colors. You know, yellows and pinks and orange, and you don't even know what that means. And then. I always say, if I, you have to explain it to me, there's an issue. I've seen ones that are gray. Great. That tells me nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, learners can view the entire catalog and select their own courses. Usually, they click a link or it's a button eh, similar off the home page, and it goes to the catalog for them to select. Some vendors have it as like part of their menu that you see. You know, if the catalog exists in the system, again, on the learner side, it's not going to be on the home. It's not going to be on the home dash. They're going to go somewhere. It's going to have filters, which include, again, duration, delivery format, which is typically, this word gets confusing because I see vendors that say video, and then they say e-learning courses, and you go to the e-learning courses, and they're videos. Just say e-learning. I mean, actually, the term's an umbrella term <laughs> is why the term came with. It didn't mean specifically, you know, saying e-learning is different than online. It's one of the same. You're either going to have ILT, which is physical based in a, in a location. You're going to have VILT. You're going to have audio, 
You may have podcast. You're going to have ebook. You're going to have some type of material format. Some people put down PDFs, you know, other type PowerPoint, other type of documents. That's in their content. You may have, of course, an actual course that's designed by either yourself. You can put your own in there, of course, in your third-party authoring tool or built within the system. You can have it built by somebody else, or you might be purchasing third-party content that you're providing to your employees for free. There's often a filter in there for continuing professional development and continuing education units. Many list the publishers, which to me makes no sense. I never found an employee going, oh my God, Sammy's, I want Sammy's content. They don't know. They're just looking for leadership, right? Some systems have filters that show, you know, ratings. And I think that's pretty interesting. Um, of course, you know, most people don't watch the entire course or, or go through everything. So you have to realize kind of how ratings really are. You can't base it solely as like, wow, all this is five stars. Ergo, this is fantastic. If I've not completed it, how do I know? I'm going to focus on a specific area. And assign learning tied to a rating is really kind of skewing if you think about it. You have to complete this. They do. They rate it. How many times do you see a one star when you're looking at systems, right? Think about that. Even if you go into LinkedIn Learning, you know, where you can take some of that stuff for free. I, I can't remember the last time I saw one stars. But, you know, you go to an app store on your iOS or Google, you're going to find plenty of people that rip into it one, two stars. And their comments pretty much are totally negative. Uh, I don't really find that when you have it and, and end users can complete that. And, and there's some reasons behind that. I won't bore you. Going back to that learning environment, learners can be assigned materials and videos. They can search by tags, that skills, interest, if they avail it. I think eventually it's going to be job roles as more and more of these systems try to be somewhat of a talent development, either a combo for the employees or they're going to go strict talent development. Now, you want to have the ability for development paths or curriculum learning paths to have contents placed in a specific order hierarchy of learning. And again, it's for those who want lockdown, which means the learner cannot jump to the next course or piece of content until completed, and they make sure they can do this. You know, never assume. I saw this one system, and I loved how the, the sales um, director explained it to me. She said, you know, when you look at the categories like leadership and everything else, she said, you know, first she said to me, well, do you have Netflix? I said, yes, I have Netflix. She said, uh, you know, that show Stranger Things, she just picked that out. I said, yes, I understand that. So she said, okay, look at our system. The categories. Think of the categories as the titles of, you know, of like the, you know, documentaries or sci-fi or mystery thrillers. That's how you think of our categories. Okay, that makes sense, right? I, I can relate to that. Okay. She goes, then you see stranger things in that category. And think of the course title you know, that main subject as the series of whatever that series might be. Okay, that makes sense. 
Then she said, click on that and you're going to see all these episodes. And that's all the modules we have and all the different paths that they have within that. And they can go linear or they can bounce around. And I said, that makes 100% sense. And it was like an epiphany to me because I thought, why, why do, do not other vendors present the information in the same way? If they did, I guarantee people would relate and understand. And it could be something you do for your employees or whomever when you're trying to explain it in materials. Give them that direct connection. Most people have Netflix or whatever it might be. I thought it was brilliant. So on another note, let's get back to that learning environment. Just little thoughts here as I bring it in. You want an individualized learning plan. Uh, it could, could include assigned content. It can include optional content. I've seen people put VILT, you know, on-demand video in there and ILT and everything else. It appears on the same screen. And again, a support for hierarchy at an enterprise business unit or other desired level. Remember, when it comes to enterprise, a vendor means whatever it means, right? A vendor can say enterprise is 1,000 or more employees. Another vendor can say it's 5,000 or more employees. So when you say you're looking for an enterprise system, find out what they define enterprise as as relates to end users. An end user is one username, one password, active. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get in today about their, the new sh spin of monthly active users. But I will say this. Don't focus so much on the monthly active user and look, you know, we only charge for that month. Okay, look at a word called up to, which is going to be in your proposal if a vendor does that. Because that's what you're paying, up to up to 3,000. So they can say to you, look, you know, it's only every month. It's only 50 here and 50 here and 50 here, whatever. And you're like, wow, it's almost like pay per user. It's not. It's not. You're paying up to. So if you're up to 2,000 and you really only have 1,000, you're still paying for that 2,000. That's how the monthly active user model works. So just something to think about uh, when it comes down to pricing. Now let's finish up with that ideal for learning environment. Ideal a playlist and channels with a sign for those who want it. Uh, this is related to the learning environment. Recommended, most popular, based on skills of interest or skills tied to job role. One thing to remember about recommended content is with a playlist. This gets back to that machine learning algorithm. You need to find out from the vendor if you have employees that get to select optional, right, you've decided, look, I'm going to give you personal professional development content, which I strongly recommend. Data shows overwhelmingly the number one reason people leave a company is lack of personal and professional development. It's a fact. Anyway, you've got this playlist. It's got most recommended or most popular. Now, with some systems... You have to, the learner, the end user, clicks, the employee clicks complete. They don't actually complete it. You know, you think they're reading the entire document. Nope, they can just hit complete. You think they're, you know, completing the entire course because you see that maybe they skim really fast. All they have to do is hit complete. Now, if you're only doing assigned learning, 
your most popular surprise is going to be coming from whatever all the assigned learning is. Any employee who takes that is going to think, yuck, yuck. So you don't want to do that. You want to have sort of a, a plethora of, of content that they can pick from. It's including yours, by the way, right? It's your proprietary-based content. It could be anything. And you can have your assigned, but be recognized that if you have assigned only, you're doing only assigned, and whether it's I'm breaking it up by groups, it's different groups, it's eventually going to skew your data because that new playlist is all based on the assigned learning from all these different groups. You know, the most popular surprise is all coming from the assigned. And so it skews. And by people just clicking complete, you're looking at the analytics on the back end and you're like, wow, 82% completion rate. This is fantastic. In reality, it could be 26% because I'm clicking complete. The other problem is with systems like that, if you do not complete it, it does not factor into the algorithm. So web-based training was created for me to go anytime, as much as I want, as often I want, right? I always say it this way. If I'm taking, I'm an employee, and I'm taking Microsoft Excel, and all I want to know is how to change labels. I don't care about how to open a file. It's not relevant to me. I just want to go to label, 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 label. That's what's relevant, right? Well, if you're in a system where you have to complete everything and, and you're not because you're only focused on labels and you don't select that complete button, then the algorithm doesn't factor that in. Now your data has become skewed. Just something to think about on as you relate to playlist. You know, you want a system that has a clean and modern, crisp look. Every system I've seen, every vendor always says they have one. I'm going to tell you, 50% don't. Uh, you know, clutter never looks good for an employee. And a dated look looks dated. Remember, you're not the one using the system who's running training in L&D and HR or product training or sales training, wherever's running this thing. It's your employees. They're the ones in there. And what do you think they're doing every day? They're on Netflix. They're streaming. They're watching YouTube. They're staring at the walls, whatever. They're using the net. They're going to Instagram, so forth and so on. So you have to recognize that. This is about the learner, the employee, wherever your learner happens to be. It's not about you and what you like. So you may think, wow, this, this is dated and it looks like 1998, but I like 1998. They're not going to like 1998. In a few minutes, we're going to hit over, okay, not a few minutes, a few seconds. We're going to jump over to the administration features. And then after the administration features, I'm going to hit a little bit about classroom management. Instructor manager view is going to be in there. Uh, and mobile as it relates to on-job training. So stay tuned, take a little breather, a few seconds, then we're going to get into the administration of that you want to have in your learning system. Okay, welcome back. As we, you know, hopefully took a little bit of a breather there, got a soft drink or whatever. So the administration side, this is what the main administrator sees. 
In other words, they see everything on the back end of the system. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is things, features you want definitely in the system. First, you want a dashboard. The best ones have high-level metrics for the administrator to see. I've seen new ones where they list the top skills their employees are selecting or searching for. I think that's fantastic. You know, the, we are in a new, new environment, right, where skills, skills, skills. Now, five years, who knows? But, you know, right now, at least for the next couple of years, it's going to be about skills, skills, skills. I think eventually you're going to see systems putting in there, you know, top roles people are looking for, too. Anyway, you know, that's the admin dashboard. There's metric. It's visual. Along with other information, buttons you can click and do kind of widgets. It allows administrators to create, modify, and cancel a course or content. And by the way, this is very common with systems. It assigns users to groups. You can assign X number to X number of courses or content, Y to a different number of courses or content, and so forth. And the majority of systems have this capability. Learning plan can be assigned by job role, region, department, so forth. You know, uh, skills, whatnot's common. You can allow the administrators to set multiple levels of approval. An example, no approval needed, supervisor approval, instructor approval, etc. Most systems have this, but believe it or not, there's plenty who do not. Allow the administrator and or tech team to load learner learning history via batch import. Typically, it's an Excel template, uh, CSV. Always check, though. Some vendors think this is the same as a batch upload of courses and content. It's not. Allow administrators to track attendance status. No show, canceled, attended for all types of learning. Instructor-led, online, virtual, even uh, external, right? You, they go somewhere. This is especially relevant for those who are frontline workers and those in the workplace. Assign and enforce access band on the, you know, access based on the user profile. This is a must, and most systems have it. Capture multiple user attributes, our organization, department, manager, job role, so forth and so forth. It's common but always verify what are the attributes. It's not necessarily the same across the board. Create user groups through divine attributes, similar to above. Common, but again, verify what the attributes are. And I can't stress this enough. Never assume it's the same for every system. So if you're looking for a specific set of attributes, then see if it goes through the entire system. But you can have that, right? Some you can create, some you can't. Always find that out. Control profile settings by field. Example, allow learners to change their email addresses but not change their username. This is going to be in the learner profile where they can update or change their password, for example. People always want to change their passwords. So, you know, you want to make sure you can do that. And the fields could be whatever you, you decide. They'll have some standard ones, and then they'll have ones you can create. The administrator can limit access to catalog items based on the user profile. This could be job role, location, group, and so forth. It's a must. You want this. The majority of systems offer this. Job role, though, is always a wild card, but still most can do it. Provide multiple levels of administrative access and privilege, privileges. This is crucial. 
You want this. You also want the ability to assign different rules as well. Allow administrators to create and assign system roles. Example, Dave as a manager can only access the manager view and nothing else. You never let other employees except those in training, L&D, or HRs ever running this system get access. <clears throat> I've seen people like, hey, IT wants access. I'm not giving them access. Hey, I'll send you a report. What information do you want? Right? Or you can create a sub-role, sub-admin role, and they only get to see these many things. The moment you let a lot of fingers into the pie, as they say, you're not going to have much pie left. I don't know what this saying is. But uh, the whole point is, is that I guarantee when you let, you know, the only people sh that should be really in the system on the back end and seeing everything is your administrator and you. That's it. And you may be the administrator. I, I had to do it in, in a mid-market company. So, you know, you can send reports out. You can set up sub-rules. You know, and they have their own use and they get limited access. But I never let anybody into that back end. Not a good idea. Create user groups through divine attributes. Again, organization, departments, country, so forth. Most systems offer this. Again, verify the attributes. Batch upload courses, content, and batch upload learners. I'm going to love to tell you this is very common, but I see systems that lack the first. In other words, you can't batch upload courses and content, and you have to go one by one, which I'm going to tell you is awful. It's a time consumer, and you want to punch the screen, especially if you have like 100 courses, 75 videos, 50. Ugh, yuck. Even the batch upload of learners is not guaranteed, and I'm going to tell you it's a must. Again, you can do it by a CSV file. Um, that's typical. Uh, but again, you want to have that. And I know some vendors that actually do not have that feature, but they always go, you know, but we can do it for you. And then they charge you. No, that's negotiated. Uh, you're going to do it for me. And, you know, if that's their only option, and, you know, if you can't do it yourself, which the file comes from your IT or HR or however, that's how it's done. And then you upload in the system. And that's how I always did it. I don't let them doing it directly. I don't want them touching it. Then what you do is if the vendor says, oh, no, 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 you can't. We don't do batch upload of learners, but, you know, we'll do it for you, but we have to charge. It's under professional services. No, nah, I don't think so. You're going to negotiate that in. You're not going to pay for that. Okay. Let's get back to the administrator side. Tags, it's ideal. The administrator can create tags by skill, interest, job role, et cetera. This is going to be a must by the end of 22, 2022. You want it. The administrator can create job roles, job titles, edit, and delete. You're going to want that. The administrator can create skills needed, requested, and assigned to a learner or learners or general in the system. It's a must if you're using a talent development platform. In fact, they all have it. Um, another must will be the ability to add and delete or delete a skill or job role in the system skill job role library. So a lot, all the talent development platforms have them today is a skills and job role library that some build their own. The most go third party. It's a deep integration. You're not uh, going to need to worry about that. 
and you can still go in and edit the titles and the job roles and all those other skills. Um, so you're going to want to be able to do that. And you can add your own too, so it's nice. You also want the ability to assign courses based upon skills, interests, or other variables. So, you know, most people just focus on, I think a lot of people just focus on job role. But, you know, and what skills they need to do that job role. But, you know, if you're doing personal professional development, skills can be anything, right? I may want to be, I may be interested in Excel, but it has absolutely nothing to do with my sales job. So do you still allow me to do it? I guarantee if you do, you're going to see me back in the system more beyond me just doing the assigned learning. Let's talk about classroom management. The term classroom management in a system, in any type of learning system, refers to instructor-led physical training. That means on-site, in a classroom, in a seminar, in a boardroom, wherever you provide it, on the floor, wherever. That's what it means. If you have frontline workers or blue-collar workers, you must make sure to have classroom management capability. It's going to be crucial for them. If you're in a hybrid model, workplace model, or everybody's at home, or everybody has to be in the office. I mean, if everybody has to be in the office, you could still do ILT, um, obviously. I wouldn't, but there's some people that just will not refuse to move on to the modern day. You need it for the, the front line of blue collar. That's one thing, an OJT. But for the other... I don't think so. VILT will suffice. If actually it can be, you could do that. Classroom management features. I'm going to talk about some terms you may hear. Resource management. This ensures like if you had a projector available or there's six laptops haven't all been checked out, right? It's the resources. Facilities management. If your facility has multiple locations on site, for example, this component capability will cross check to make sure if something's available or not. Now, it's only as good as the administrator verifying that this is available or not, right? The system doesn't know off the hand. The administrator has to complete some of this stuff. Printout sheets. The instructor does this either ahead of time or via mobile app. Now, some systems have what's called an instructor view. And this doesn't, this has nothing, to, this is both for ILT and VILT. Right? It's not just for ILT. You know, and I'm going to say if you have frontline blue collar workers uh, or, uh, and or, you know, any employees and you plan to do either ILT or VILT and have an instructor, whoever that person, it could be a trainer, it could be whoever. You want to have these features. Allow instructors access to the course enrollment information. And by the way, you can make this as one of those sub-admins with sub-roles. Ding, ding, ding. Instructor. Instructor can pass, uh, push out a survey assessment during active class. They can update rosters. Um, the ability to print rosters, send emails to participants, and update the information course attendance post-class. You know, some people want the instructor to see some metrics. Uh, this is doable by creating a rule, or you could just send them a report. Uh, you know, they don't need to see the, all the metrics, not relevant to them. A manager view, a must for employee training and learning. You must get a manager view. 
This doesn't relate to the back end of the admin here, by the way. This is a view they access within this system, and it's only for them. And they can do certain things. One, the manager can see their team in a manager dashboard of view with some metrics, typically. Um, it's pretty cool. A manager can assign content and courses to the team and or individuals. They can monitor the learning paths for each team member. They can update OJT on the job training, mark training complete. Um, this is for your frontline blue collar. They can manage training of indirect or virtual reports. They can add, reject, update, or approve learners, your employees. They can approve or disapprove of learners applying for opportunities if your system hasn't. Um, all talent development platforms have it. Some of them, it's an add-on, like Degreed. Uh, it's an add-on today. Opportunities is their talent development platform. Edcast has something called Career Mapping. That's an add-on. That's for opportunity scooks that comes with the system. The manager can approve and disapprove of the content the employee wants to take. Here's some ideal. The manager can compare team members by skills. I've seen this. It's really awesome. Really awesome. The manager can compare team members by self ratings. It's pretty interesting. You know, uh, you know, people are self-assessing themselves. Then the manager self-assess them. You, you know, them, them as well. I think that's great. They need to leave comments, and then you want to make sure the system has sort of uh, they're using a like um, Likert skill, which is that one, two, three, four, five, that it identifies what one means, what two means, what three means, what four means, what five means, as it relates to, um, you know. I'm a beginner and, and it, you know, I can do these things. I can do that. That's what they do. Um, you want to have that. You don't want a system that just, it's, it's, you know, it's a two. What's a two mean? Well, I don't know. It's a two. Yeah, I don't want that. Let's jump over to the mobile as it relates to on the job training. And we all know the internet and retail and warehouse manufacturing is not that great. You, wow, bad. And so, you know, people, you know, you hear vendors go, we're mobile first. We have mobile learning. And you're like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. What they're telling you is that you can access their system through a mobile web browser. That's all that means. There are vendors who are mobile first that do not have a native app in iOS, which is Apple or Google Play, which is Android. They don't have on-off sync. So mobile first is the same thing as saying, you know, well, it's the same thing as saying mobile first. Mobile app, native iOS and Android. And you know what? There are vendors that will only support iOS or Apple. So you always want to check. And I even ask them is, are the views the same, whether I'm in the Apple side or the, or the Android or do the, uh, is the looks different? Because I've seen apps where that actually is the case. Um, so you just want to check. On off sync. This is a must if you have a native mobile app and you have to have one of those. It means the worker can take content and courses, surveys, and other functionality within the app, and they can do it offline. Then when they get internet connectivity, wherever they may be, boom, that data gets pushed into your learning system, which is awesome. And they can take content courses, surveys in the mobile app. Here's two ideals. One, 
You can record the employee with a mobile device and upload it into the learning system for the manager to verify. It's, it's great for compliance and it can even be used as content, right? You now have somebody doing day-to-day -day tasks in order to complete a job, a role, a skill like, hey, how to do pick and pack in a warehouse. You have somebody that's achieved that. You upload the video and share it with those learners, uh, those employees that are in that group. What is not a better way when they see another peer doing their doing what they're doing, especially with onboarding, this is important. Second, digital signature within the mobile app. It's not common in the industry, but for any vendor who has a native mobile app and focuses on frontline and blue collar, or even as a combo, this is neat. And it's just like you're doing every day, right? You sign in with your finger, it saves it, it sends it to the system. Now you have physical, quote unquote, proof of that digital signature. I've seen one system, it's actually an, in Estonia, they take that digital signature and they actually keep a copy of that uh, on the back end with, next to the employee's names. I thought that was pretty cool. Actually, I thought it was really cool. Um, and it just adds a reinforcement. You know, event management is a term you might hear, or somebody will call it, uh, you know, we have a calendar or wait list, auto wait list. That's the industry privately calls event management. That's for whether it's on site or remote, right? Virtual. Uh, and you're going to want that. You know, you're going to want to have, if the vendor offers SMS notifications, you're going to want that. They all do email notifications. SMS means text notifications going to your learners, your employees, uh, through their mobile, right? And you always have to put in there that there may be data chargers because some people, you know, are not on the all-you-can-eat plan. Some systems offer communities tied to groups, the system itself, content, so forth. It's a nice to have. Vendors that have it will always say it spurs higher engagement um, if utilized. Obviously, compliance is essential for your company where employee compliance training is a requirement or the industry where compliance attributes within a system is a must, such as if you're in financial services or life sciences. So what did we learn today? Well, we learned about the features and functionalities you need in a learning system for your employees. For all employees, along with employees that are frontline and blue collar. You've learned some terms today that you may not necessarily have known before, or you may hear, you don't know really what the vendor is referencing. If you have any questions about what a vendor is saying, and you're not sure what it exactly means, you ask them. Do not assume that what they're saying is what you're thinking. And I see this a lot with mobile learning or mobile first. Nowadays, people say mobile first. Or people say, yeah, you know, for future skills of the future. Okay, what does that mean exactly? What can I have? And you provide that. I've got a template online. You can go, you can go into my blog, scroll down. You'll find a skills template. It's actually, I think, in the headers. It has it for your interested in skills. 
every skills functionality related to learning administ or environment, administration, playlist, wham, slam down. And then I have that learning system template, which you can connect to and get 100% free. And I always have people say, well, will a vendor really complete this? Yes, they will complete it with the details that you're asking. If they want your business, they're going to complete it. Trust me, they see documents that are like 200 pages. I'm not kidding, 200 pages long, 100 pages long, and they complete it. You just have to give them a realistic due date, a couple of weeks out, and always have a time. So if it's 5 p.m., it's 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's 5 p.m. GMT. Don't assume that 5 p.m. because they're going to use 5 p.m., meaning whatever their time zone is in. And that's where you get in. And, and be a stickler to it. There are vendors, you'll give them three weeks and a time, and they will come up with some excuse and not complete it in that time and ask for more time. And yet everybody else seems to get it. If they want your business, they're going to do it. If they don't want your business, they're not going to do it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. So remember, you're the customer. And on that note, this is Craig Weiss with the amazing e-learning roadshow coming to you from Tombstone, Arizona.